Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Coogee Voice. Today, we're talking with Marina Debris. Marina is a local artist, activist, and aggravator who uses her talents to share poignant messages about our need to eliminate waste and better protect our environment. Most well known for her Inconvenience Store, which has received multiple awards and was most recently on exhibition at the Australian National Maritime Museum, along with her Breach Couture and Trashin, which in itself sends a very strong message about the implications and dangers of fast fashion. You're listening to Coogee Voice. I just instantly noticed, the, literally the day I moved, moved back there from Bondi, I just noticed right away that there was rubbish on the beach. I thought, oh, I, must, I don't know if I'd been living in like some space land or something, because I don't remember seeing rubbish on the beach in Bondi. But anyway, it struck me as incredibly wrong that there was so much rubbish washing up. So I just started picking it up you know, every day. And then I would, if it had a logo on it, I would bring it into where it came from, like 7-Eleven. And I pretty much got stared at, but like, what what are we supposed to do about it? You know, it's not our problem. Marina, welcome to Coogee Voice. How are you going today? Hi, good, Marjorie. Thank you for inviting me. You are born in Detroit, Michigan. What is it that firstly brought you to Australia? Before we get into talking about your wonderful art and activism, how did you come to be living in the eastern suburbs? Uh, yeah, so pretty much I grew up outside of New York City and the ocean, I have always absolutely loved the ocean. Uh, it's kind of, I don't know if it's because I'm a Pisces, I always say that may be a factor. And my family, we used to go camping near uh, Jones, Jones Beach, which is quite famous now. And I just really, I don't know, I had this affinity for the ocean. And then um, I went to art school and then I moved to New York City and I watched all these Australian movies, Gallipoli, Breaker Morant, My Brilliant Career, which may be Kiwi, I'm not sure, um, Mad Max. And I met an Australian. I actually dated an Australian when I was there. Um, I just had this bug, uh, same with the ocean, where I just really related to the Aussie sort of irreverence and um, mentality. Most of my friends were Australian uh, or English. I had very few American friends. Well, I shouldn't say that. I did have American friends, <laughs> but I had most, mostly were English and Australian. I think it was because I loved the sense of humor and the irreverence, as I said. I moved to England for a very short period of time, like a year and a half. And then my friend who, Australian friend who had moved to England, moved back to Australia. And I thought I'll just go visit. And I took the bus down to Bondi. And this is over 30 years ago, because everyone talked about what a horrible beach Bondi was. And I got off the bus and I took one look and I said, if this is a bad beach, I'm moving here. And then I did. I just came over and um, I've, I've been back to the States, lived back in the States for part of 
the period. So a big part, actually. But I'm back here now. And if there was three things that you love most about the eastern suburbs, what would they be? Oh, well, certainly the ocean is absolutely essential. Um, I, I do like the vibe, although it's, it's changed a bit. You know, there's a lot of uh, good activity here as far as uh, activism. There's a bit of it anyway. Um, and you, <laughs> you are positive for sure. Now, talking about your art and activism, your work focuses on reusing trash to raise awareness of ocean and beach pollution. Can you tell us a little bit about your art and why you have chosen this medium and message? After I left Bondi uh, many, many years ago and I moved back to the States and I moved to Venice Beach, California, and um, I, use, I still run on the beach every day. I mean, that's, that's basically always been my exercise for my whole adult life pretty much. And um, yeah, I just instantly noticed, the, literally the day I moved, moved back there from Bondi, I just noticed right away that there was rubbish on the beach. And I just really, I thought, oh, I must, I don't know if I'd been living in like some um, space land or something, because I don't remember seeing rubbish on the beach in Bondi. I, I might have missed the time. I don't know. But I do know that there was an issue with uh, uh, sewage because I remember very well Mambo's poop campaign, People Against Ocean Pollution. So I do remember that. Um, but anyway, it struck me as incredibly wrong that there was so much rubbish washing up. So I just started picking it up, you know, every day. And then I would do various things like bring it into, if it had a logo on it, I would bring it into where it came from, like 7-Eleven. And I pretty much got stared at, but like, what, what are we supposed to do about it? You know, it's not our problem. Um, didn't connect anything. And because I, I went to art school, but I trained as a graphic designer, which was my career. But I also, I loved metalsmithing. And in fact, that was gonna be my first major. So I love working with my hands and just craft of anything physical. Uh, so I just started collecting stuff that interested me and making just sculptural pieces, mobiles. I didn't know what the heck I was doing really at all. Uh, but I just kept doing it. And then I uh, started getting involved with various organizations in Los Angeles, which there are a lot of. There's um, Hill's Bay, which is a huge ocean advocacy group, uh, and Five Gyres, who is an offshoot of uh, Captain Charles Moore, who he's the main person who really researched the plastic and the, uh, the amount of plastic in the gyres. Um, so I started working with them and they'd asked me to just come to their fundraisers and bring some art along. And that's kind of where it all just started from there. It was just a hobby, I guess. Uh, but I just became more and more obsessed by it the more I learned. And um, 
And then uh, the fashion or trashion came when Hilde Bay asked me to make a wearable piece and I had no idea what I was doing. It was pretty much just, uh, <laughs> but it was really, it was uh, the beginning of something that I'd always wanted to be involved in fashion somehow. And so that kind of bridged the gap. And I, my first piece was called White Trash which um, is still in the U.S. at the moment. Uh, we'll come back to your trashing because fast fashion as an industry is something that I personally am pretty passionate about trying to eliminate. But before we get to that, your mission is to eliminate waste and cruelty to all species. Can you tell us a little bit more about this? And in particular, where do you see as the biggest sources of waste in our community? Too easy a task, isn't it? Like, yeah, like I'm, uh, I set myself up for an impossible task, but that is kind of how I think, uh, like it or not. So uh, eliminating waste, it's really, it's just as simple as it sounds. It's not rocket science, as they say. I mean, every single one of us can do that. There's no explanation really needed. Less is more to use another cliche. Um, yeah, so every day I pick up rubbish on the streets and the beach. It's like a, every morning, it's a pretty much a two hour ritual. It's, it's not getting better, I hate to say. Um, I also engage the public occasionally. I, do little installations, I'm going to call them. Um, and people either yell at me or they thank me for it. And sometimes they actually start talking to me and we have a really nice conversation. Like yesterday, a man came up to me and he did have a single-use coffee cup with him. And he said, oh, do you do this every day? And we started talking and, you know, I always sort of try to, get it to a personal level, like, what can you do? And I, I don't know, I, you know, I'd like to think I convinced him to, I gave him all the reasons to use reusable cups, which of course, right now, everyone's excuse is, well, the cafes aren't taking them. Well, I mean, my rationale, and I'm probably pretty my, much a minority is then I don't go there. You know, it's a small sacrifice to pay for ruining the environment. It really is. And that's, I mean, maybe that's a, just a different way of thinking that I don't know because that's just normal to me. Um, as far as eliminating uh, cruelty to animals, that's another huge cause of mine, uh, which is basically... The more you know about how our animal agriculture system works, the more you realize that it's completely unsustainable, completely unsustainable. Um, it's incredibly cruel and it's unhealthy and it's causing pandemics and it's horrendous for the environment. That's another total no-brainer to me is that, you know, if you care about the environment and the future of your children, why wouldn't you opt to 
live a more sustainable, healthy life for everyone and everything. Um, and then you asked a question about, uh, I <laughs> forgot you, what. Sorry, you have answered my question, question around where are our biggest sources of waste. Uh, can I just add that when I, when I moved back to Australia, I really had this idea that because we have the most beautiful oceans in the world and beaches and rainforest, everything, for some reason I equated that to meaning that people really cared um, and would protect it. And it's actually, it was shocking that in the news, you know, you read more and more that we are at the top of the list as far as carbon emission per capita. And we're also at the top of the list as far as waste per capita. I mean, that's scary. That's really scary. And it saddens me. America, of course, is horrendous <laughs> as well. But we need to wake up to that fact. And we all need to pull together and do something about it. I absolutely agree. And going back to the conversation around single-use coffee cups, while a lot of cafes at the moment are not accepting reusable coffee cups, there are cafes around that are. For example, Cat and Cow on Clove Valley Road, which is a sustainable coffee shop. And I'm pretty sure Eugene's as well on Bronte Road is accepting them. So if you are concerned about single-use coffee cups and you do want to go and get a takeaway coffee because you can't live without it, there are cafes that are accepting reusable cups and I do encourage people to shop around and find out where they are. Now, talking about your fashion, and for people that firstly aren't familiar with that, what you do is you transform garbage found in the ocean that's washed up into these beautifully intrinsic garments. Now, fast fashion is a significant issue and it creates a huge amount of waste while also having quite devastating impacts in developing countries, not only on their environment but also their working conditions. I'm interested to know your thoughts on fast fashion, but for people who see fashion as a form of expression, how do you think we can engage with the fashion industry and for people themselves where they can still engage and use fashion as a form of expressionism but not uh, at the risk of fast fashion? You pretty much said it all, I think, uh, how, as far as how I feel about it. Um... I preface this by saying when I lived in New York City and London, I loved clothes and fashion. I just loved it. I never thought about, oh, is this sustainable? Is this, what is this fabric? Where is it going? But I did, I did pick very carefully, like I would only buy things that were quite unique, um, as in either made by, you know, a very boutique label or, and it, not necessarily expensive. I mean, there were so many, you know, I don't know, Kensington High Street and in London and Carnaby Street in those days. And, you know, just amazing small shops, like one person who created all the garments. And to me, that was just heaven because um, I didn't want to look like everyone else. I really didn't, and I still I still don't, but I probably do more so now uh, because as I've aged, <laughs> that's become a little less of a, I guess, a worry. 
Um, and I do now, I do almost only buy secondhand clothes or this will just shock you. I find so many clothes on the street about to go to landfill. Unbelievable bags and bags of clothes that people just chuck out. And it, it's to me, that is just unbelievable. The other day down the road, there was like three huge bags of clothes, perfectly good. Some of them still have tags on them and I lay them out wherever I can. And then I post them on Facebook, all the Facebook groups uh, next door. And I beg people to come and get them. And a lot of stuff gets picked up, which is great. So, uh, but then a lot doesn't. And the excuse now is the same as the coffee shops aren't taking reusable cups is now, well, Vinny's isn't open. You know, it's really, it's not that hard to hang on to it until it opens or listed on, you know, all the millions of sites, Gumtree, et cetera. It's really not that hard. Anyway, um, so yes, fast fashion is, and I was quite shocked. I don't know a huge amount about the subject, but just watching War on Waste was pretty big eye-opener as far as how bad it is. You know, largely countries that making the garments have very low wages and horrible conditions and the dyes that they're using, you know, especially and processes to create the fabrics, especially animal skin products, it's horrendous for the environment and to the animals, I will say. Um, and yeah, Australia's, you know, got equal footprint in that department as far as wool goes and kangaroo skin, I must add. Sorry, I know this is probably something you'll cut out, but um, it's really important to me that Australians know that our iconic animal, the kangaroo, is being slaughtered at night mercilessly for sports shoes that are sent to other countries, the skin and dog food as well. What can designers do, but also as a consumer, if fashion is an important part of your identity and self-expression, how can you engage with fashion but in a more sustainable way? Well, like what you do, and we had this conversation when we met up with um, Eco Love, is you can hire clothes. I mean, that's a very trending thing. It's no footprint other than the delivery, which is minimal. Um, yeah, and, you know, that's certainly, I, I personally haven't done that, but um, I don't see why not. Trade with your friends, have clothing exchanges when, when we can, which were really fun. There's a group that um, has clothing exchanges, had them regularly, where you just bring your best, the best stuff you have that you're sort of sick of wearing, and you trade it off with other people. It's fantastic. I had these boots that I had bought in 1900s. <laughs> I hardly ever wore them and I listed them on Gumtree. It took like three or four weeks for someone to take them, but I was so happy. It was like, yeah, it's kind of fun too, to challenge yourself. 
So I would say that and, you know, just fast fashion in general, if you want to close to be your identity, well, you're just following trends. You're just being a cookie cutter of what everyone else looks like. So why would you even follow fast fashion or, you know, engage in that? It doesn't, that doesn't make sense. Your Inconvenience Store has been the recipient of the Allen's People's Choice Award at the 2017 Sculpture by the Sea. It's been recognised by Sydney Water Environmental Sculpture Subsidy uh, for your work on water pollution and consumption. And it's also won the Waverley Council Mayor Prize and was recently on exhibition at the Australian National Maritime Museum along with your Beach Couture. Can you tell us a little bit about this project and what has inspired you? That was a project that I actually, I had conceptualised many years ago when I really first started doing this art, which was that the majority of things that I, items that I pick up are, you know, everyday items that you would find in a convenience store. And in my head, I was thinking, ah, you know, I should do, because I, I, I know I'm not coming off as a person with a sense of humor in this interview, but I actually do have a pretty good sense of humor on paper, as my friend would, would say, or in my art. So I'd come up with this idea. First, I thought, oh, it'd be really great to open a shop. But this is when I was living in LA and shop space was pretty impossible budget-wise for me to access. So I thought, oh, I'll just do use my graphic design skills and I'll make a mock shopping catalog. So I did that first. That was the beginning of the idea for it and then when I had moved back here and I just thought I really want to do this physical store front and I submitted the idea and it got accepted Um, and then I also thought I don't really want to have a big footprint when I build the actual shop so I got some local um, group called uh, Verticon they're a Bondi group and they're very resourceful as far as using salvaged materials for their builds. And they're huge surfers. They're really uh, all about the ocean and they were on board right away, pun intended. So they actually built the structure. Uh, So I didn't even explain what it is. So it's a shop called the inconvenience store, which is basically um, repackaged, washed up items that you find at a convenience store. So they're all from the ocean. They've all been in there. So it's quite obvious. I used uh, the repackaged materials I used. I used only like the wrappers from magazines, you know, the Southern career. Am I allowed to say that? <laughs> that are on the street that are wrapped in plastic, but it's not here anymore. Uh, or the um, uh, any local one, because that really bothered me that, you know, everything's wrapped in plastic. So I only used that for the wrapping. I used um, all the paper is recycled paper. I either found it on the street or got it. Uh, one side is printed on, you know, the ink is obviously brand new because there's no way around that. So I really thought about everything. I even had display items like a postcard stand I found in Bondi on the street, the uh, 
drinks cabinet or what I actually found ended up finding a drinks cabinet, like a proper working one on the street. And uh, yeah, so and sunglasses stands, etc. It was quite fun. But it was also exhausting. Like I would man the store when it was at Sculpture by the Sea and people didn't know I was the artist. So I could be kind of incognito and I'd, I'd hear all the comments of people coming in and I was actually quite amazed because they all knew what it was right away. There was absolutely no question. Uh, they engaged in conversation with their kids, even young, young people who are generally bored by stuff. They had a laugh, they, you know, like, Oh, those are yours those are your songs, you know, and everybody really understood that where this stuff came from. Some people were quite shocked by it. Um, The the only disconnect really was that pretty much everyone thinks that the items are literally chucked in the ocean or that people intentionally litter them. And if I could make one thing extremely clear that 80% of it does come from land, we know that, and it does, it goes down the storm drains and it ends up in the ocean, but it doesn't get there by people uh, meaningfully littering necessarily. Some of it is, of course, but the majority of it is, you know, there's a multitude of ways it's when you put something in the bin and they empty the bin, the council empties the bin into the truck, things fall out, you've all seen that. If it's lightweight, it blows away. If it rains, it goes down the storm drains. There's birds that peck out the garbage and there's inadvertent dropping things. For instance, I find about three or four face masks every day on the street since you know, it's higher when it's a lockdown. Um, And we know that that many people aren't just dropping them on the street. It's just that's they're so lightweight. That's how they they get there. Most recently, your Black Widow has been a finalist in the Northern Beaches Environmental Art Design. What inspired you with this particular project? Black Widow was inspired during the bushfires. I was just really completely devastated by the bushfires. I felt very helpless in a, in a sense, like there was nothing I could do. Um, you know, at least with the, the plastic or the pollution, I feel like I'm doing something with the bushfires. And all I could think about were the billions of animals that were burnt alive, literally. That's why the piece is all black and it's all washed up materials. Um, It also made me think about how indigenous um, peoples know how to care for the land. And um, I I don't want to get in trouble here, but um, colonialization and industrialization have pretty much destroyed the land. Yeah, so that, that was the inspiration behind that piece. You've sort of already touched on your little local installations that you do on a regular basis. Uh, For our listeners, Marina on a sort of regular basis can be found around our beaches collecting waste and rubbish that people have either dumped or failed to dispose of properly or that's ended up on our beaches. 
and she does create these into little installations around our area. Now, Marina, I grew up with a very clear philosophy around don't be a litter bug. And there was a big educational campaign when I was growing up around this. Um, my perceptions of our communities, we are seeing increasing amounts of waste and people just dumping trash. What do you think is driving this and how do we change it? Oh, that's a big question. I don't personally know how to change it, obviously, because if I did, <laughs> I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing, I suppose. I mean, I'm. this is my way of hoping to inspire some change and you know whether it, obviously it's not going to be on a massive scale but at least I'm doing something and you know I strongly feel that every single person has a role to play in whatever they're passionate about and you know you just find your your talent in whatever mine happens to be visual that's pretty much all I think I you know really do have a voice with, but I, I tend to turn people off when I talk to <laughs> verbalize. So I know that that's not a good method for me. Yeah. And I, I think uh, you asked about how it sort of came to be. And I think part of it is, and this is something I think about daily because I did grow up in an era when, um, uh, my parents were quite resourceful. Like my mother used to make our toys, our clothes, some, or I would wear hand-me-down clothes, which was, <laughs> I think about it now. And um, I hated it at the time, of course, because the hand-me-downs were for my brothers <laughs> and my father. <laughs> I had no females in my family. Not that that matters, but that's probably why I dress kind of, <laughs> not feminine, so to speak. Um, yeah, so we placed a bit more value on things, I guess. And we had to, you know, I don't know, when I was growing up, I wasn't given things. I, I certainly had a privileged life. I will not deny that whatsoever. But everything wasn't at my beck and call. Like I couldn't ask for something and then just get it. In fact, I rarely did. I wasn't deprived though, um, you know, it was only necessities. I was allowed necessities and I was allowed the occasional frivolity. It wasn't excessive at all. Um, and I see that as a total difference in the way kids grow up now. And I don't know exactly, and it's, I probably shouldn't, I get myself in trouble saying that because I don't have kids. So it's pretty easy for me to say, obviously. But I think it is basically because there's just so much stuff available. It's so cheap in our countries, you know, first world countries, so cheap. We don't really personally see the people that are making it, we don't personally see that really um, and how it destroys the environment. So we're kind of living in this wonderland where we think everything is at our fingertips and we can use as much as we like, uh, whenever we like, and just dispose of it. So I think it's about valuing. And how do we get there? That is like, the billion dollar question. I mean, how do we turn that around? And 
it's like putting the genie back in the bottle, isn't it? Because kids are so used to, and young people and everyone, except for maybe people my age or whatever, um, so used to getting what they want and it being quite disposable. And how do you take that away? You know, and it can only happen by knowing that we cannot keep going this way. We cannot. And they're ultimately, they're the ones that are going to suffer the most because, you know, it's obviously that generation um, that's going to see worse and worse catastrophes, climate catastrophes. Well, look, I, I think there are a lot of discussions that are now happening around um, sustainable economies, the need for more closed circuit economies to be happening, which is part of this, and feeding away from just hyper-consumerism, which drives a big part of this. Now, Marina, before I let you go, there are three questions we ask all of our guests that come onto the Coogee Voice. You must declare the best beach in the eastern suburbs. Where sells the best coffee? and where you can get the best burger. Go. Okay, best burger. Only one place I can go is Soul Burger. And that's purely because it's the only plant-based burger uh, restaurant in my neighborhood. It is very good though. It is very good. Best coffee. Uh, You know what? I actually never go out for coffee. (laughs) Like never. (laughs) So, and... And I will also say, coming from America, we have the worst coffee, the worst coffee. So I almost only have good coffee here, but I'm going to recommend Cat and Cow, um, even though I've never been there, only because their ethics are very good. Uh, So, and the first question was best beach. Oh my gosh. I don't know. Tama. They're all fantastic to me. I really like them all. Wonderful. Uh, Now, Marina, if people would like to learn more about your art, where should they head to? Uh, My website is washedup.us or us. Uh, And um, I was supposed to be in two shows which have been postponed till further notice, but one will be at the Lionsgate. Oh, actually, it may not be. It was supposed to be at Botanical Gardens. I don't know where that will be. Um, the other is the Northern Beaches, which is going to be in Curl Curl. And then I do have three outfits on display at the moment. In One is in Winyard's uh, Met Center, the mall there. And then the other is in North Sydney Greenwood Plaza. So they're just three wearable pieces. If you look at my website or occasionally on the social media, it's Marina Debris or Washed Up on Facebook as well. Marina, thank you for joining us on Coogee Voice. Thank you for having me. What an inspiring conversation. And we can all play a role in protecting our environment. And it starts with reducing, reusing, and recycling. Now, if you'd like to learn more about Marina's art, you can find her on Instagram or Marina Debris and keep an eye out for her upcoming shows. You've been listening to Coogee Voice. <laughs>